welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. For the most part, I, I'm, a, I'm at a remote location. Uh, I'm Calvin oh, Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Uh, check us out on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons, I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, comic sales down. Uh, an update on the movies. Stand 2, uh, the Black Comics Festival, uh, and the Denver Comic-Cons Brand new excellence in graphic little awards and the bre- uh, little awards and the breeze. So comic sales seem to be down. Well, uh, I, I mean that's periodical sales. Well, no, what we we're seem to talk I, about. I, I think that's a. I mean, what we're seeing right now is a lot of comic shops are doing their uh, 2017 sales uh, reports, and yeah. quite a few of them are showing large drops. Um, Challengers and Comics uh, noted that they uh, they sold $21,000 less of Marvel trades, Marvel issues, okay? Um, and then tilting at Windmills, uh, Brian Hibbs, uh, who has okay. the comics experience, he also noticed that his books dropped 1.8% dollars, single issues by 15.5%. That's a pretty huge drop. Um, and also, there's been a spate of stores closing. Uh, there's a store called The Mission in uh, San Francisco that uh, noted that they were down uh, in five okay. figures for the year, and they just announced an emergency meeting of their fans so that they could talk about how to wow. save the shop. So, so basically, you know, we've talked all year about floppy sales being down and all the numbers that we're seeing right now. And it has an effect. Uh, yeah, it definitely had an effect. Um, you know what? One more number here. Uh, let me see. Yes, uh, this sale. Yes, the Mission Comics and Art in San Francisco. Uh, was down $72,000 in sales. Now, these are small numbers. Uh, five figures do seem like small numbers, but for comic shops, we've said right along, yeah, very low yeah. margins, that can be a lot of money. Well, even if you're not a low margin, if you're an individual shop, $72,000 is like the salary for sure. employees. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought Brian's uh, account was very interesting because he really broke down what was happening at his two stores, which have very different characters. Uh-huh. Uh, one, one seems to sell way more book format comics uh you know than the other um uh and while the the book sales were down they seem to be down you know really to a very small degree yeah um but i mean this is basically what we were talking about all last year um you know diamonds figures consistently showed uh a drop and periodical sales you know marvel had a slow year they're still number one they're still profitable but they were down um, and, you know, I guess the question is, I mean, I'm actually having people say to me, is this what's happened to the direct market? I mean, is this, you know, how bad is this going to be? And yeah. um, I think that's a reasonable question. Um, but I think at the same time, it's super important to point out what we're often we're often talking about in the rest of the industry is that, um, you know, the book sales are actually up. It's one of the few categories in print that is up. Uh, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, just for the overall book market, um, really for the first time in years, 
not only has the bookstore market uh, increased in sales, because really, you know, books sell sold actually through physical stores is the smallest part of the market. Right. Um, uh, but actually, print uh, print has continued um, uh, over the last couple of um, uh, periods to continue to increase. It's a small increase, but it's you know it's gone up. So. You know, Matt Hawkins, who uh, has been a guest here on the podcast, who is the uh, publisher at um, or VP of everything at uh, Top Cow, had an interesting post on his Facebook page where he talked. He said he looked back at the numbers. He said their sales were up like about 2% for the year, uh, which isn't a lot, but it's not down. Uh, but yeah. he did note that in comic shops, their sales were down. However, they were up on Amazon and they were up at convention sales. Um, and, you know, Matt is a convention road warrior. I mean, he does like uh-huh. shows a year and he's always hawking it. So, I mean, his experience might be a little bit different, but, um, uh, you know, it's really all over the place. So, uh, I don't know, Kate, what do you think? I mean, I think what we're seeing is is what those numbers we've been hearing all year translate out to. Like, it seems like the books themselves are doing okay as far as the content goes. People still want those stories. It's just that um, some of the formats and some of the channels are hurting. Right. And I think it's because of a very specific audience that likes those channels. Um, You know, disproportionately, I think the direct market is largely, most places, superhero people. And I think... As we've seen, as we've discussed millions of times, like <laughs> Marvel superheroes yeah. are not doing the business that they usually do. And so I think there's going to be a disproportionate effect on the small comic book shop in the small town where it's not the indie press and it's not the graphic novel market. It's the people who really want floppies. Mm-hmm. And if they don't come in, then the money doesn't go into that store. And, you know people like say me who you know like their trades or are willing to buy digitally you know our dollar has a lot wider array of places to go Uh uh-huh absolutely there's so many more channels they really depend on those hardcore old school people who just want to go into a comic book store and buy a floppy and if they don't want to do it then that comic book store is gonna hurt yeah i mean we are Oh, go ahead, Calvin. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just gonna I just gonna reconnect us with um, uh, Kristen McLean's uh, you know presentation at New York Comic Con. Uh, you know what we're also looking at, of course, is a whole new generation of, of readers who are simply not going to comic shops. Right. Some of them aren't even going to, to traditional bookstores. They're looking for different places to buy their books, yeah. uh, be they comics or otherwise. And and and, and much of this market does want uh, do want comics. Uh, and, and, and certainly want manga, and they're buying uh, it. but they're buying it, but they're not buying it in the traditional places. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I mean, I think it's really important to note that um, you know indie bookstores have remained very solid this year. Um, yeah. You know, their sales have. Uh, you know, Barnes and Noble is still kind of limping limping along uh i mean book sales i i calvin i i have we had the end of the year book sales report yet uh yeah i mean that's kind of what i was quoting from i mean you know this bit i mean we're in a period where the where the chains are the ones that are basically um uh really facing a a really powerful headwind i mean chains are competing with amazon in independent bookstores small shops neighborhood bookstores 
uh, they're doing the strongest business they've, they've done in, in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we seem to see this split between, you know, as I said early, um, we, we are seeing a, a small increase in sales through physical bookstores, which is kind of the smallest segment uh, of, of how books are sold. Uh, but, I mean, we, you know, despite uh, the New York Times' recent article about this chain book world, mm-hmm. which closed, which seemed to be this doom and gloom about bookstores, um, book chains, uh, national book chains, they're having problems. And Barnes & Noble continues to, to lose money uh, and, and, and continues to do worse quarter to quarter. But independent bookstores, um, they seem to be striving. They're growing. Um, they've never been more stable. There is new blood coming into the business every year. The Winter Institute, which is coming up this month, uh, very sh- at the end of the month, and the Winter Institute, and Winter Institute is a yearly event organized by the American Booksellers Association. Basically, uh, they train booksellers, and it's basically like a giant book convention, mm-hmm. and they show off titles. Uh, comics and graphic novels have become a very big part of it. Um, our old friend uh, Ku from uh, Diamond Book Distributors, he's there. They've got a, 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 a you know a, a, a exhibition there. They bring authors. They, it's uh, they bring publishers. So this is kind of how the market is playing out now. Yeah, and I think we're going to see. I honestly. Um, been looking at the books that are coming out in 2018. Um, it's a very strong slate. Uh, there's a lot of authors who have built a following who have books coming out in 2018. And you know what? The kids market and the YA graphic novels market are very, very solid. And I think that, I think, <laughs> you know, I think for a long time, Calvin, and you know, how long have we been doing PW Comics World? I mean, you know, we've been doing this oh. for, you know, more well, than 2000. Five we started. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so we've seen, know. yes, okay. So it was a completely different world. But, you know, back then I saw people claiming that indie bookstores were a strong outlet for graphic novels. And the truth of the matter is they weren't, you know? No. I mean, they yeah. were very, very resistant for the same reason. Yeah, it was owned by a lot of older retailers who just didn't see comics as part of their mix. Yeah, you know, they he, carried like two or three really pr- prestigious, really hard-to-sell artsy comics. Yes. And we're like, well, people just don't want comics because they don't want our crumb. And it's like, yeah, well, that's a very limited market. Deal. Yeah, or they sold Watchmen and, and Dark Knight, which is fine, but, you know, not, right. not well, there. Well, speak, much. Yeah. There does seem to be growth. I mean, the indie, ind- independent booksellers w- dragged their feet for years on, yes. on the graphic novel county. There does seem to be improvement in that, or so that has been reported to me. Every year I sort yeah. of do an update on uh, diamond book distributors, I, I give I, and I haven't done it yet. I talk with Ku uh, uh, usually sometime after the Winter Institute. Last you know, year's he doesn't report, run diamond book distributors anymore. So you're gonna oh, that's right. I keep forgetting person. about that. Yeah. I've got to talk to some new <laughs> new person there, so I'll have yeah. to change my interviewee. Yeah. But yeah. my last year's um, interview with him, he talked. Uh, he was very enthusiastic about what he saw as a change in the attitude among independent booksellers. That while there's still work to be done. Uh, in that category, he said what he sees now is not w- whether or not they should be selling graphic novels, but trying to learn much about what they can do, right. how they can sell them in their store, how they can adapt their employees and their market to to what's available um, uh, from publishers. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I don't on. have I don't have this year's 
uh, genre breakdown for book sales down, memorized yet. But I will say this, for the last two years, graphic novels were one of the handful, and I mean three or four categories in book sales that were up consistently. Yes, yes. And yeah. you know something? I don't see that as changing. I, I've heard that. I, I mean, anecdotally, publishers have told me they had their best years ever. So obviously, there's a little disconnect here. And maybe we should be concerned about the direct market, but not about the comics themselves. Oh, absolutely not. And I mean, jumping back to Brian's story, I mean, if you if you read his uh, talk, uh, his examination of his business, I mean, he's talking about books. Um, and, and I'm very interested in his graphic novel of the month club. Yes. Um, and which kind of uh, through which he kind of discounts a, right. a book yeah. every month. Yeah, and yeah. it sounds so, like Kate, crazy. Kate, you were you were going to say something there? Yes, yeah, I was. Yeah, go on, Kate. I was going to say that um, I think maybe part of it is that people are finding these other places to get that content they want so much, and you know, the people who aren't the die-hard Wednesday warriors are getting it somewhere else. Yeah, and that's eating into the comic store's business. Yeah, because I'm going to say, like, I have a really great comic store here in New York that I like very much, Midtown Comics, but you know. In my hometown, two out of the three comic book stores are not somewhere I go voluntarily if I could get those comics somewhere else. Like, well, you know, see, that's like, still dogging comic stores. That, that reputation is still dogging. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think but comic it, But it's, it's not unearned. <clears throat> and, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, well. There are a lot of good comic shops, and then there are a lot of comic shops that are yes. badly organized, that are moderately hostile. That are just not very new user friendly. And yeah. that's the yeah. rub. So, yeah. And, you know, my bottom line on this is, yes, uh, you know, these stories need to be paid attention to. But don't be, don't, you know, it's don't churn. jump off the, the diving board, right, just yet. We, there's, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of life in them in their comics. Yeah, but I mean, I think <laughs> this is really not a story about comics. It's a story about direct market. And the direct market itself is what's hurting not so much and, comics. And, and once again, I think as we as we pointed out over over quite a few uh, years, it's also the story of a new generation of readers and yes. and a change yes. in pace Absolutely. and a change in direction and a change in what consumers want. A huge chunk of people what they want and what they expect from their retail experience. Absolutely. So, well, speaking of which, a new readers, a new things. Um, this week. Proof positive that, uh, at least in comics media, there's a lot of excitement. You know, uh, Black Panther, on Monday during the National College Football Championship. Yeah, baby. Crap. I was watching. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, anyway, they had some new Black Panther uh, trailer footage, and then they the tickets went on sale. And it has the fastest-selling advanced tickets of any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie ever. Look, this movie is just people are nuts to see this yes. movie. Well, I mean, I mean and anytime a trailer's released, just go on Twitter. I mean, people are just bananas. Yeah, and I mean, even aside from the fact that, of course, we're always thrilled to see a little more variety in who's in movies. Um, let's face it, this is Lost City royalty Batman. Yes. What more do you want? Yeah, and but you know, I think what's really exciting about this movie is that the trailer looks amazing. Everything yeah. we see, and it doesn't look like every other Marvel movie. I mean, it's yeah. kind of with Thor Ragnarok. We had the familiar characters, but you could tell that there was a different tone to this movie. This movie just looks different. It has different kind of action. It has a different kind of a, you know, uh, under like subtext to it. Just in the the trailer. Yeah. Obviously, you can cut a trailer anyway. Yeah. But you know what, Ryan Coogler. 
I have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, and, and it, it doesn't just look different from Marvel movies. Yeah. It looks different, period, from anything else and in look, the market. Let's in be a for real. real. Marvel movies have goodwill behind them. DC movies, they're a storm of like uh, of worry. Um, uh, uh, the discussion is always about uh, the discussion is always negative. Yeah, but, but even it was like, what? Looking, what are they going to screw up this time? Well, look, we even, don't get that with Marvel movies. Even looking, comparing this to other Marvel movies, I've seen started to see some Marvel fatigue among fans, where people are sort of like, yeah, it's kind of Marvel movie movie ish about a Marvel movie they just saw. Like, I'm definitely seeing some. Well, I agree die with that. Off yeah. Among diehard fans, but I'm not seeing that for Black no. Panther. Like, literally people i know who have sworn off marvel movies so they're just like yeah been there done that are like hey i think i'm gonna see black panther uh you know i've been getting some press releases from fandango on this and like basically black panther has the second awareness after uh avengers infinity war but uh, you know the event i mean if avengers tickets haven't gone on sale yet you know being number two uh might sound like not as much of an accomplishment but you know avengers infinity war is like the culmination of 10 years of marvel cinematic movies that has every single character in it from chris evans to chris hemsworth to chris other chris chris pratt yes the other you know, chris and um you know and this is the end i mean people are going to die this is the last last call for chris evans and tony you know robert downey jr so anyway that the, i mean black panther anyway. it's really just a sign of what uh you know that this audience is is hungry i mean it's hungry they're for primed. representation they're i mean on, on black twitter like every time anything for Black Panther comes out, oh, it's insane. It's just... Were you on? I mean, uh, you know, obviously the the the, uh, the 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 new trailer came out after the Kendrick Lamar performance. Yes, and basically people were in Black Nirvana. <laughs> yes. I mean, the Twitter feed I had was just. I mean, they were just nuts, so bananas agog. Uh, that like you know I can die now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I want to point out that Marvel <laughs> is doing a. Uh, giveaway Black Panther book, okay? Uh, that is uh, coming out right around the movie. That will be free to. That means stores have to order it. You know, it's it's kind of like a free yeah. comic book type thing, um, but it'll be available uh, in February when the movie comes out for retailers. And you know, this is I mean, Marvel gets a lot of flack about how they don't market to the right audiences. They don't do any marketing for this kind of thing. So, you know, I just wanted to call them out this yeah. one time to show that they are actually doing things, you know. Like, they've been pushing the Black Black Panther for a year, you know, by hiring Ta-Nehisi Coates to do the book. I mean, that was actually yeah. two years ago. So, you know, yeah. they have not slept on this. And I, I think that needs to be pointed out. Yeah, and also speaking of doing a good job at tying in and marketing for once, um, they are actually doing something very smart with the version of Valkyrie from the most recent Thor movie in by introducing her into the Marvel Universe in a way that will not send regular Marvel fans crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, absolutely. that's absolutely. absolutely. She was a great character in that film. The way they're doing it is they're having her come in through the Exiles book, which is a book about alternate universe characters. So, therefore, if she's Valkyrie from Exiles then that doesn't have 
you know, get in the way of or write out the original Valkyrie. She can be there too. You get both flavors of Valkyrie. Two Valkyries for the price of one. Yeah, I'm not sure that the original Mon Valkyrie is even around anymore, though. I think she's yeah. been dead for a while. Well, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But this has nothing to do with her and right. does not exactly. like, get rid of her or edge her out or make her never have existed. Exactly, exactly. So that way, everybody wins. Yes, totally, totally. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, meanwhile, speaking about DC... Uh, yet another upheaval. You know, while Marvel is cruising along with hit after hit, you know, there's five Marvel movies coming out this year, by the way. <laughs> it's Let's just a, yeah. that out. Although one of them, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But anyway, DC films, <laughs> another shakeup. Another shakeup at, at uh, Warner Brothers. And uh, first off, their whole marketing had Sue Kroll was moving on to spend more time with her movies. Um, so she got replaced. I don't know how much of Justice League disaster that made six hundred billion dollars, uh, <laughs> or you know, six hundred million dollars was uh, on her head. But anyway, wow. DC Films, remember, was formed what was it two years ago uh, with John Berg and Jeff Johns running it. And uh, when the smoke cleared, John Berg is also leaving to spend more time with his production shingle. Uh, there was some controversy whether Jeff Johns still there. When the smoke cleared, Jeff Johns was still standing. I don't think he's running DC Films, but he's still involved. However, a new a new face, Walter mm-hmm. Hamada, who is best known as the producer of the, the Conjuring movies, and it has been made uh, head of DC Films. Perfect well, match. He's known for bringing things. <laughs> well, he's known for bringing genre films in on time, on budget, yes. and then them being popular. At this right. point, on time, <laughs> on budget, and popular is a combo that sounds mighty good. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, Aquaman is coming out in December, so there's one DC film coming out. I mean, there's like five different, five. there's like ten different rumored movies. So I guess the Shazam movie is filming well, right they, now. Well, they brought out the trailer for the animated Teen Titans Go movie. Right. Which actually is going to be a superhero movie about superhero movies, where the plot is, it's Teen Titans Go to the movies. So the plot is that the Teen <laughs> Titans characters are like, all these other major superheroes are getting movies and uh, we want one. And of course, it all goes terribly, terribly wrong to hilarious effect. At least that's the plan. Um, and so it looks like it's going to be kind of a little meta and a little wacky. And so that one actually looks like it might sell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, uh, you know, I want to also point out that uh, next week, uh, Black Lightning is debuting on the CW. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Another yeah. show, and this has kind of got a different showrunner, and it's got a different vibe. It's about a, a middle-aged superhero, and it de- deals directly um, with things like, um, you know, traffic stops for uh, yeah. black yeah. men. And uh, actually, it sounds pretty interesting. It's been and getting it's, some pretty good buzz, actually. And it's not yeah. just that. It also um, contains... Uh, the character of Anissa, his daughter, who also becomes a superhero in the comics and undoubtedly will on the television show, and her girlfriend, Grace, Whoa. who is also a superhero. <laughs> oh, okay, bitch. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of places they can go with this, and the CW hey. undoubtedly will. Right. Yeah, yeah, there was a story in the Times fun. about it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, there was a story in the Times. Uh, there was even a story in the New York Post, so good job on that. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, DC, it's kind of an enigma on TV. They're killing it. Yeah. Um, in the films, yeah, they're just fact. kind of still stumbling. But and in, in reverse, just Marvel in there. is not <laughs> killing it on TV. Marvel TV is sad. Yeah, well. Well, they, they, they didn't, you know, I think they asked 
Like they had the upfronts this week, or or the Television Critics Association tour, and they asked them, uh, you know, what about Inhumans? And there was something like, oh well, you know, it didn't perform as well as we wanted, and uh, we'll see. So yeah, uh, maybe not have the Inhumans to kick around anymore. Um, you know what? Uh, just talking about not a smooth. Uh, this just happened, so I actually need to look it up a little bit. But there was also talk about. Uh, superhero universes there was a big uh, shake up on the fox side of things today actually um yeah they yeah. were going to uh let me see if i get this straight okay so they were going to make a they had gambit movie that was coming and the director was gore verbinski and then today gore verbinski said no way uh i have a scheduling conflict i'm not going to make that and then after that they basically pushed back everything like new mutants was supposed to come out in april and now it's coming out in february 2019 <laughs> so um like basically fox went and pushed all of its uh kind of marvelish superhero movies back quite a bit well, um they got bought well i mean that deal hasn't been finalized yet so it's still in the works yeah but that might well be part of the calculations going on here. i think that would absolutely be a um uh that would be a uh, credible idea. Uh, you yeah, know what? One other movie that got moved was Deadpool 2, but that actually got moved to a more <coughs> favorable time slot on May 18th, uh, so it won't go up against Han Solo. I think that's a sensible move, but um, yeah, basically retrenching. Yeah, especially because some of the audience for Deadpool and Han Solo are going to be the same. <coughs> Even more than your usual genre film matchup. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, superhero movies everywhere, everywhere. Hey boy, that's for everywhere. sure. <laughs> but now perhaps right. slightly fewer because of Fox doing what they're doing. I don't know. It doesn't or seem to more. be any I don't know about that, Kate. I think it just means yeah. more. So that's the number one thing that everybody's talked about with the Fox-Disney deal. It's like, oh, thank God, now we can have the X-Men teaming up with the Avengers. Yeah. No, I yeah, it seems like there's going to be more movies. Mm, here's what I think is going to happen. We could see, but I think they're going to feed it into the Marvel movie schedule meat grinder, and they'll, it'll, everything will have to fit their schedule of two or three Marvel movies per year, unless it's Infinity War year. And yeah. you'll get your Gambit movie when you get your Gambit movie, and you'll just have to sit down and like it. Yeah, possibly, right. possibly. Uh, anyway, well. Speaking of Marvel, yeah, uh, yeah, this is, this is a, with a, this was a heavy heart. We, this we is a well, uh, there was it's a complex. Story. It's a very complicated yeah. story. And um, this week, the Daily Mail, which is a really trashy newspaper, the most tabloid, had a very, very, very tabloid story about Stanley um, that said that the 95-year-old uh, was sexually harassing his nurses, and you know, exposing himself and grabbing their butts and all sorts of stuff and um but then stan's lawyer fired back and said that this was part of a blackmail now you can take this on many different levels but i will say this another story that was recently reported was that stan has been the victim of embezzlement like basically somebody took eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of his bank account and bought a condo in west hollywood and we're uh, not sure who. And, yeah. Uh, and, well, I guess the police know who, because apparently they went and they audited Stan's account and found this. But this was after someone else had written a $300,000 check, uh, uh, forged a check. So, you know. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of 
very weird shit going on. Oh, pardon me. There's a lot of very weird stuff going on with Stan. And, you know, I think it's time for us really to talk about this man who's 95 years old. And, you know, obviously being accused of sexual harassment is a huge kind of, you know, disappointment for everybody. Let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, I think you can look at, I would say, if you are hired is in a nursing capacity as a caregiver for a geriatric patient, uh, that most reputable nursing agencies might be equipped to deal with this because it's actually very common with the elderly. And um, so once dementia starts setting in, yeah, like it's not so much that we're giving a free pass for groping people to anyone over the age of eighty if they know what they're doing. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't. Yes. Um, yeah. People do and say some very strange things when they're no longer in their right minds. You know, Kate, actually, you work with the with the elderly, correct? Yeah, I, I have on a number of occasions in a professional capacity. And this is my chance to tell you guys, if you suspect that any senior around you or disabled person is being abused in any way, you should call Adult Protective Services. Look it up online for your area. You'll find it. Um, they'll just come by, do a wellness check. They won't tell them who called them in. And, um, you know, most of the time, if nothing bad is happening, they'll just give a clean bill of health. But if something wrong is happening, that's something you want investigated. Because there's way more abuse of the elderly, both physically and financially, than you might expect. And with the funny, funny business going on with Stanley's finances... It really looks like someone's taking advantage of him here. Yeah, and I, I now one story. I mean, I will say this for the mail: they know how to dig in. They have a lot of sources, and and um, you know, past these frankly kind of headline grabbing accusations, if you went down further, there were some very disturbing things written about um, a guy by the name of Max Anderson, and he is apparently Stan's minder. He has two convictions. One for beating his wife and one for beating his son. So that's pretty awful right there. Um, I, I'm just going to be really frank and say this. Like I have had four separate people very high in the convention business tell me that they think that Max Anderson is um, probably guilty of some level of elder abuse of Stan. Um, and I mean, he's certainly totally... A very controversial figure. He's not liked. I mean, uh, every person has reached out to me and said that he is really despised among convention runners because of the way he treats Stan. And look, I'll say this. Stan's as a butt grabber. He has a very um, age, you know, old school view of women that's very inappropriate. But at the same time, uh, you know, he shouldn't be abused. So I don't, uh, you know, these are not corollary things yeah. in, now, in any way, yeah. shape, or No, absolutely now, not. it may well come out. There are some accusations of Stan doing unfortunate things when he was in his right mind and given his old school attitude for women that's entirely possible and a totally different topic but at this point we're dealing with someone who we don't know his mental capacity and we certainly have our doubts you know kate let me ask you though because this is something that a lot of people have been arguing i mean for elderly caregivers i mean is this something that they're generally equipped to deal with or i mean would it it be considered harassment what's going on and it depends on the level of capacity of the patient i mean if someone is physically capable enough that they're any kind of danger that's a different story Absolutely. if, if mm. somebody is aware that what they're doing is wrong that's a different story but if someone appears not to be uh operating at full capacity that kind of comes with a job um but you know 
I mean, not that you don't try to stop them. Yeah, absolutely. You don't try to no, scold we're not... them away from it. But but it it really all depends on how much in his right mind Stan is at any given moment, which we just don't know. Yeah, no. Is I, he still making co- a convention he, appearances? He this weekend at the Ace Comic Con. Yeah. Now, I have talked to. I have been investigating this story and. You know, the first thing that, there's two things that have become very clear to me. Number one is that there are several incidents on the convention trail of Stan being a little handsy, okay? And that's terribly wrong. I guess by calling it handsy, I sound like I'm well, I'm, I'm trivializing well, it and I don't mean to do that. Now, most people yeah. take it as kind of like, oh, Stan Lee's, you know, but I mean, let's not, let's not downplay this. Um, you know, the other thing is that Stan, I saw him last year with Frank Miller at C2E2. He seemed very cognizant, very aware. I mean, we see him walking around. I mean, for a 95-year-old, he looks like the most world's most active 95-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, his... There's something called sundowning, mm-hmm. which happens a lot. Um, I actually had this experience with my grandmother. Um, a lot of people in the early stages of dementia getting started to get bad, they'll be fine during the day. And then they will drop several levels of functioning at night. No one knows why. It's just a thing. Um, I certainly hope this isn't going on with Stan. I don't know. Maybe he's in his right mind. Maybe this is not a problem. But it would not be unheard of for someone to be able to function well in a structured social situation during, say, the afternoon and to be completely out to lunch at night. Yeah. and It happens. You know, uh, I am told that Stan um actually you can see it there's videos of Stan people getting their photo ops with him and you can see he's practically falling asleep I'm told that he uh in between photo ops and when he goes on stage he goes backstage he falls asleep he has a nurse I mean he Mm. acts like a normal you would expect a 95 year old man to act now don't get me wrong Stan loves it he loves the attention he loves being out there you know I'm not trying to say that he shouldn't be there that he shouldn't be there or that but you know everyone on the convention circuit has been saying gee I hope I'm not the con that kills Stan Lee okay well I'm sure yeah Yeah. and you have a 95 year old man going around uh, this is a le- real concern, and I'll tell you this: from talking to people, there's nobody who really cares about Stan right now as anything more than a money spout. And you know, Stan is a very controversial figure. Um, there will be a lot of detractors and everything, but uh, but no just, matter what he's like, no one deserves to be treated badly. I mean, it's perfectly absolutely fine for him to continue I had, to enjoy the. I had the opportunity to meet him and interview him. Uh, he, he he must have been in his uh, late 80s. Uh, and it's just at San Diego. And yeah, look, you know, um, it was a thrill for me to talk to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. I talked to him. I interviewed him about five years ago. He was very yeah. cognizant. He was very funny. Yes, same here. Yeah, but that was five years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, it's like, yeah, I think... He was gracious and charming. Yes. And Stan has had such a long career. And he has stayed on top of things for so yeah. long. I think that everybody wants to write their own narrative that this guy is... You know, still with it, and um, I at some point he's not going to be with it, and I hope there is somebody who is, you know, cares enough about him to let him have some dignity, uh, the dignity that he deserves, which for some might be more or less, but uh, you know, the, that he gets the dignity that he deserves at the uh, at the as the the highway True. winds down. I mean, I think the problem yeah. is not Stanley going to conventions; it's just a concern that. Stanley is not being taken advantage of during said yes. conventions. Like right. clearly, he enjoys and loves being there, and he should continue to go as long as he wants to. We just hope 
everything managed in a way that's best for him. Right. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Well, Kate, Kate, thank you. I, I, you know what? I really appreciate. Uh, I think this is. I think what you've said here on this podcast is actually the most informative thing that I've heard on this whole matter. <laughs> Kate, uh, once again, if you think of the elder abuses going on, who should you contact? Adult Protective Services. And um, I would like to, once again, call in the Goldwater Rule. I cannot diagnose Stanley. <laughs> I have not seen him. In, no, no, it's a thing. It's yes, a thing. Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. not diagnosing him. I have not seen him in a professional capacity. I have never met Stanley in my life, and I'm not saying any of this is going on with him. I can only speak to general trends among the elderly. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's uh, much appreciated because everything but, else and, is kind of, you know, people. And very professionally it. put. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, Okay, um, shall we se- segue, yeah, segue once again uh, to the Black Comics Festival, um, yeah. the sixth annual Black Comic Book Festival. It actually, now, it, it, this is going to be an interesting year. I, I actually do think this festival is kind of hitting a crossroads. The, its popularity uh, is explosive. Uh, it's been held at the Schomburg Library, the historic uh, library in Harlem. Uh, and and it's booming every year, uh, booming to the degree that um, I think many people are a little worried whether it or not whether it, it has perhaps outgrowing the venue. Though obviously the venue is the ideal place to have it. That said, this year there's some changes. Um, the show is being held, and I'm wondering if this is some way to perhaps hold down some of the crowds. It's being held on a Friday and a Saturday. So it opens tomorrow, January 12th, uh, and also uh, continues on January the 13th, Saturday. Um, Friday, there's, there are kids programming. Um, it's uh, Let's see. Uh, we have, uh, what, Jamar Nicholson, who does the, the Leon series, Jamal Eagle with, with his Molly Danger series. They're on a panel, uh, Jerry Craft, uh, called, it's called Super Kids. Uh, I'm planning uh, actually to do an interview with Sheena Howard, uh, the professor who has just published the Encyclopedia of Black Comics. is really kind of a biographical dictionary of um, black comic book artists, writers, publishers. Um, uh, she's going to be on a panel uh, on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, with Professor Bill. Um, uh, looking for a face like mine, the, the you know really kind of the uh, uh, actually I think Professor Bill is moderating. Professor Bill Foster, a pioneer yes. in uh, in in researching black comic book characters. I think Joe Illich will be on the panel as well. Um, and then on Saturday, uh, there's even more. There's a there's a film screening of white scripts and black Superman, black masculinities in comic books. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, uh, Tony Medina, the author of I Am Alfonso Jones, which I think is really one of the better. It was published late oh, yes. in the year. It's a yes. YA novel uh, that used John Jennings and uh, Stacey Robinson as artists. Really uh, an amazing work that looks at um, police vi- Black Lives Matter, police violence, tries to look at it actually in an even-handed manner. I think it's actually one of the most overlooked graphic novels, probably because it came out at the end of the year. Uh, there's much to do. Uh, you can buy comics. Uh, there is more programming that I'm go- that I uh, that I'm telling you here. So the Schoenberg Library starts on Friday at about ten o'clock, continues on Saturday. Be there or be square. So what's the entrance fee, Calvin? There is no entrance fee. I thought that was relevant to know. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> it's it's free. There is no there is no cost that I can no no cost at all. So. 
go, be there, bring the kids. Uh, I'd say get there early. It's going to be crowded. All right. Uh, Calvin, I hope you're feeling well enough. You better, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be up to say I'm not going to be there on Friday, but I will be there on All Saturday. Right, another day to uh, to recover. Yeah. So um, yes. we know convention season is absolutely heating up. Uh, like I said, Ace Comic Con this weekend, uh, the, you know, the Black Comics Fest this weekend. Many other shows. Are, there's already been Wizard World New Orleans, um, you know, coming into spring. Denver Comic Con, one of the uh, actually... Yeah very fast-growing shows, and they're adding a really in, uh, exciting new program this year, aren't they, Calvin? Yeah, I, I think this is actually really exciting because um, the, the different Comic-Con and uh, and their, um, uh, the, actually, the, the organization that actually founded the Denver Comic-Con, which is Pop Culture Classroom, I mean, the Denver Comic-Con has a very interesting uh, sort of uh, beginnings. I mean, it was started as an actual educational event uh, by teachers. Uh, Teachers of Denver uh, organized this group, Pop Culture Classroom. They started the show, and it has evolved into really one of the fastest-growing I mean, shows in the country. I mean, they're, they're upwards of about 100,000 100, fans, I think, in re- recent years. Well, so they say on paper, but anyway. Oh, okay. Well, it's one of those, okay. well there may be. We have, but it is definitely we have a looked fast-growing at show. attendance uh, inflation. Yes. We've, we've looked at it on yeah, the show in the past. Everybody has uh, attendance inflation. It's like kind of yes. what you have to do. But anyway, it's definitely. But there's a lot of people going to the, the shows. Yeah. Nobody disputes that. But they're on, they are going to launch in June 2018 the Excellence in Graphic Literature Awards, and these this is a book industry focus, book format focus graphic novel awards program. So um, it's going to launch. Um, it's going to give awards in four categories: um, nonfiction and nonfiction for children's books, um, children's middle grade books, young adult, uh, and adult. Uh, then there will be a mosaic award, which will go to the best book uh, that represents diverse communities, and then they're going to have a book of the year award, which will pick from the uh, the nine uh, other categories. Uh, all of this, in turn, is being uh, uh, the, the the award show will be curated by a panel of judges, and it's going to be all of this is overseen by a 16 member advisory board. This includes a lot of people that we all know from uh, uh, from our own work and from this show. Um, in particular, Lynn Vlahos, who's the who's the co-owner of the Tattered Cover. If you don't know, the Tattered Cover is one of the premier independent bookstores uh, in the country, and it certainly is the premier bookstore in Denver, Colorado. And they have a great graphic novel collection. But Joan Hilty will be on the is on the advisory board. Uh, Alex Simmer, the founder of Kids Comic Con and a comics writer himself, uh, uh, Meg Lipke, the new graphic PW's new graphic novels review editor and chair of the Brooklyn uh, Book Festival graphic novel committee. She's on the on the committee. Uh, the librarian Cat Can. There are retailers. So um, this is really going to be an effort to. I mean, I think I think it's interesting. All of the shows now. I mean, they want their own award ceremony. Obviously, we have the granddaddy of them all in in the Will Eisner, really the most distinguished comics awards. But as we look around, we see that the um, the Harveys have been sort of uh, re reconstituted now at New York Comic Con, and now we're seeing this at Denver. So uh, this is just another example of the the format institutionalizing itself. Uh, the the book format of once again asserting its power in American culture, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, 
Oh no, that's another, you know, more awards on the circuit. Yes, so. boys, yes. Yep. More awards, more attentions to this category uh, yes. and the best that it produces. Um, all right. Uh, okay. And with it the is now time for the briefs. Speaking of the convention circuit, Phoenix Comic Con with a hyphen between comic <laughs> and con. Oh no. San Diego Comic-Con might be coming for you next, Phoenix, has changed their name to Phoenix Comics Fest. Yeah, well, probably a good idea. (laughs) Our sympathies to Phoenix Comics Fest. Yes. Um, Amazon has shut down Anime Strike, their own online Amazon Prime member-only anime channel after only a year, and they are absorbing all of its offerings into just Amazon Prime. Um, any thoughts on uh, what this might mean about the... It's damn day? expensive, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, how much was it? It was individually, if you just looked at the price of Anime Strike, you'd be like, oh, that's less than Crunchyroll. But in order to get it, you would need to also be paying for Amazon Prime, which is not cheap. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people subscribe to Amazon Prime in the first place for content. So to have to subscribe to another channel within Amazon Prime for content from Amazon itself. <laughs> like, it's one thing, like, sometimes, you know, you can subscribe to, like, Showtime or Stars or whatever, and you figure, well, that's just an extra fee that Amazon is paying directly to that company. Right. So exactly. fair enough. But Anime Strike was transparently part of Amazon, and I think people got pretty resentful of having to pay Amazon a second time. Yeah. No, no, nobody's nobody's going to fall for that. I mean, come on. You know, especially when you're paying $200 for cable like I do. Yeah. Like, you know, one of these, I, I, maybe tomorrow, I have a little time tomorrow, I'm going to call t- uh, Spectrum. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to give a piece of my mind. There. You go, girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, well, all right. I guess uh, we're, uh, is that it for your briefs, Kate? Um, well, we have one more brief fence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comic by Joanna the Mad and C.S. Picot. From Boom, which we have featured an interview from on our very podcast. That's right. Possibly the first podcast interview that the Fence Creative team did. I think it may well be. Yeah. Um, they have now gone to ongoing. It was planned to have a uh, four-issue run, I believe. But um, the popularity for the first couple issues has been such that they're going to get a monthly. And quite frankly, I think the story will only benefit from having some space to stretch well, out. people have totally compared this to uh, Check Please, Yuri on Ice. Um, yeah. Well, the it, Yuri on Ice thing was on purpose. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, this book has definitely um, it's excellent. caught. It's it, it's a very good book. And it's definitely caught on with the, the you know, the, it's connected with the audience it was intended for. Let's put it that way. Um, Kate, you were the first. You came and you said to us, this fence is going to yeah. be huge. So. Well, yeah. And another thing I'd like to say that sort of makes it great that it's knocking it out of the park is that this is the first comic for these two creators. C.S. Picot is known for her originally independently published um, fantasy series, The Captive Prince, and, you know, she was a real indie publishing success story. And Joanna the Mad has been basically a fan artist entrepreneur, um, making fan art memorabilia out of her basement with her grandmother in Mexico. (laughs) I am not even exaggerating that. And uh, Boom snapped them up and they were ready for prime time from the issue go. Yeah. I mean, I have never seen a better first 
issue from new creators. Yeah. So and hats off to them. Yeah. And uh, right. you know what? What we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast was all the different venues and the different ways that you have to, uh, you know, obviously the these two have taken the conventional method of having a monthly comic or, you know, an ongoing comic for coming out from a traditional publisher, but they both came from completely different worlds. I believe Picard was, you know, self-publishing herself, like on, you know, fan fiction of her own. Uh, uh, yeah, basically own. what she did is she was publishing it just online for free. Right. This, this book series. And then she realized she had an audience and she was before Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. before yeah. a lot of the better-known wow. uh, self-publishing phenomenons, she grew a really large audience, and uh, it's a book series that really deserves it. And um, but even so, it's great to see her hit the mainstream in this way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's many, many different roads um, to go. So yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, comics are not going anywhere, and we'll be here, <laughs> and there will be more. To come.